When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to the PHLY Sixers podcast. I'm Derek Bodner, joined by Kyle Newbeck. How are you doing, Kyle? How was your weekend? You know, I think it's so funny that we basically only have one job to start the podcast, and it's seeing the queue, and I have to watch and see if Derek's going to make or miss the queue every time. So <laughs> I feel like we always start the show with me roasting Derek in some capacity, and I semi-apologize for that, but, you know. Yeah, I'm doing well look, is look. the short answer, and I had a <laughs> I had a good weekend, all things considered. You know, it rained for most of 48 hours, so I didn't do a whole hell yeah. of a lot, except think about whether Derek was going to tell our beautiful listeners to like and subscribe the show, subscribe to the channel, subscribe to the audio feed. I'm sure Derek thought about that 0%, zero. No, I, I specifically don't do it at the beginning just to kind of piss you off right now and just see if you're going to react to it every freaking time <laughs> because you can drop it in at any other point in the 60 minutes that we're going to spend podcasting. Yeah, you know. But if you're not, please do. It helps us out. Yeah, I, listen, I like giving Derek a hard time, but we've been having some fun here. I see. Hey, Already, listen, what? I was just talking about this before the show. We have Tafka saying, get a laptop, Stan. Tafka, I want you to think for 10 seconds here. What does the word laptop come from? <laughs> where where does a laptop go? I don't know why people care this much. It's, I really it's crazy don't understand. that people are upset. Like, I'm about comfortable. Our... The laptop's not going to slide <laughs> off. It's not going anywhere. I can yeah, see look, it. It's it's very secure. You know, my legs aren't moving a whole lot. Uh, but I'm glad people are concerned about how and where we place our computers. Right. Derek, what did you do with your weekend other than think about where to put your laptop? Uh, I really didn't do much. I stayed inside. I talked to people. I saw some family on Sunday. Um, I had a pretty chill weekend. It was certainly impacted by the fact that it rained every second of the entire weekend and still is right now. Uh, fall got here real quick, but it was good. It was boring, uneventful. I'm kind of, I know you were holding on to your shorts until the last possible day. No, not day. today. Yeah. You could wear them, but I, for one, am kind of enjoying the nice brisk. I love that brisk fall weather. It's Monday Night Football tonight, as everyone can see. I got the, the Kelly Green on, so I'm ready for Monday Night Football, and I'm ready for some fall weather, even though Derek's upset. Now he's yelling us to tie our shoes. You can't see our feet. <laughs> Come Ga on now. Gavin says Derek bought jeans this weekend. I would hope that he owned a pair of jeans prior I to... Did. This is not this the first time weekend, I've worn jeans on the podcast, by the way. I just happen to wear shorts on Friday. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Okay, so anyway, uh, I believe really the only story in the NBA right now, certainly the only story that anyone is talking about, listening to, hearing about, uh, is the, the Dame Lillard sweepstakes as they sit right now. We already have a, 
a what's up, Derek? Go birds yeah. from Daniel in the chat. Obviously, Derek forgot his I green attire yeah. for today. We'll have to get him a, a hat or a shirt or something from PHLY locker that he doesn't have yet. We'll yeah. see. Go. Uh, actually, Daniel's an old friend. Um, go follow him on Instagram. He does some really cool, basically documenting a lot of graffiti artwork. Uh, he's got a really cool Instagram feed. Dude, honestly, I'm always so impressed by graffiti artwork, not even because of the artwork, but because of where it is. And I look and I'm like, man, somebody stood up there and risked their life to get a a tag somewhere. Anyway, so back to the (laughs) back to the Dame stuff. I know you and I were on the phone, sending texts, hearing things throughout the weekend, I guess, from your like, what have you heard? Where do you think? things sit right now and i guess do you feel any differently than when we last talked on on friday afternoon yeah so i think the team that everyone's been talking about this weekend is toronto raptors them getting in on the dame mix they have a couple different ways that go to kind of construct a a trade around there um but basically could they be the team to go in and go all in on dame even against his own wishes and i think certainly they could be but there's also part of me that thinks that this is a little bit of you know, Portland just trying to get the market moving in a direction to get this resolved by camp, uh, put a little bit pressure on Miami, and possibly, and this is something you were talking about earlier before the show as well, acknowledging that the Tyler Hero trade market isn't really there, and that, you know, Portland, Hero doesn't make any sense for Portland. They need to sort of flip him as a, uh, to another team, uh, and maybe that market isn't what they want it to be, so they're exploring other avenues, even if, again, Lillard really wants to, is demanding to go to Miami. I do think Toronto is maybe a little more of a natural team to call that bluff yeah. than maybe Chicago was, in part because they have more tradable assets, but also in part because they are a little bit closer in terms of contending. I don't necessarily think they would be a contender with Dame. They'd be close. Maybe if things broke right, they have a chance to win the Eastern Conference. Certainly better than Portland Certainly is better, right now. And better than Chicago would be even yes. with Lillard. So I think they're a more natural team to use. The question is, would they actually have something that could you know, really make Portland make that gamble? And would they give, uh, you know, as much as they could to make that happen? I still, if I had to handicap the field, I think Miami is still where he ends up. I don't know if that's above 50%, but I think that he, that they represent the best odds. Even though if I'm being honest, I'm kind of rooting for the field here. I wouldn't mind it if they got traded anywhere else, because on the one hand, I kind of like seeing Miami fans suffer a little bit. I'll be honest. I can be a little insufferable. Dude, and, uh, not even just Miami fans. I think Miami media yeah. have been really goddamn annoying throughout this process, basically acting like this yeah. whole thing is a, a foregone conclusion. Pat Riley's going to get his way, and a little comeuppance wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But two, a core of Jimmy Butler, Dame, and Bam would be really freaking good. Yeah. And as good as Toronto would be, they wouldn't be as good as that core. So I think if you're looking at it from a Sixers perspective – uh, I think him going to Toronto would be better. But, like I said, I still probably would make my, Miami the favorite. I think a little bit is this, um, you know, Portland trying to get the market moving in a direction where they can have this resolved by the time camp gets around or at least close to it. So I would still make Miami the favorite. I'm not sure if they're above 50% threshold, um, but in terms of indiv- individual teams, I still feel like that's where it's yeah. at. So th- I'll tell you most of what I heard throughout this weekend uh, as people are handicapping the race right now the suggestion is out there that toronto if they really wanted to make a deal could make a deal right now and sort of what has been holding that up is 
Masai Ujiri, as Masai Ujiri does, is driving a hard bargain. I, I think the Raptors have made clear they don't want to move Scotty Barnes, but then that puts into focus somebody like an OG Ananobi and Portland essentially saying, if you're not going to trade us OG, then we're not going to make a deal. And I think Masai is trying to drive a hard bargain on OG, as he has in previous talks where Dame Lillard was not available. And the confusing component of that to me is that I don't think Scotty makes sense as the guy to keep if you're trading for Dame. I think that's kind of a – you're making a mistake in the Warriors' two timelines right. sort of deal where Scotty makes more sense as a trade chip to get Dame, and then you have potentially Dame, Ananobi, Siakam, Pirtle, you know, depending on everything that goes out in that sort of deal. Rather than, you know, you bring in Dame – I don't really see what Scotty's utility is in an immediate contending team. I certainly think he's a guy with a lot of tools and interesting upside, but I have not understood that part of it. Uh, on the Miami end, you're sort of hearing the same teams get thrown out there for as hero suitors as you were earlier in the process. I know Brooklyn is interested. I know San Antonio is interested in hero. But I think the problem for Miami right now, and Portland has made this abundantly clear, is that they're, the picks they're offering are inherently not that valuable. They're going to be a very good team in the short to medium term if they get Dame. And Hero's market right now, teams are basically offering decent players and maybe a protected first, but they're not making it like, oh, this is the godfather offer right. coming from the Heat. And the Portland Trailblazers have made it very clear they don't really want to deal with Miami. And so I say all that to say this. I do think the Sixers, if they were to make a real offer and say, we're going to put everything we can on the table here, I think they have, they might not be the front runner. I think they have yeah. as good a chance as almost anybody if they yeah. really want to go and get Dame. You know, I think, um, you know, and we have Randy in the chat asking, uh, he thought that. Dame was basically saying Miami or nothing. That hasn't changed. It's just there are some people who might be willing to gamble whether or not that is an actual ultimatum or just a preference. Uh, and I do think Toronto, because they've been sort of stuck in the middle there for so long, makes sense to be that team to gamble. So anything we're talking about here, it's not like Dame has changed his stance, certainly hasn't done so publicly. It's just teams willing to make that gamble. So I think, you know, in terms of the Sixers... And again, I'm not convinced Daryl would trade Maxi, um, and certainly have not received any intel that he certainly, definitely would. You know, I think there's a little bit of that problem there with, you know, Maxi doesn't really make sense for uh, Portland as well. Uh, they've got a lot of smaller on-ball creators who are questionable defensively and, and younger than Maxi even. Yeah. So you have to again get a third team involved to sort of flip Maxi for other assets. And once you start doing that, it becomes... I mean, Tyler Hero is not exactly handling those rumors particularly well. Like, it seems like it's affecting him. You don't want to start doing that with Maxi unless you know for sure that that would get it done. And it would be real tough to negotiate that sort of, like, in, in, in private without it being linked out. Because once, if you did actually put Maxi on table... And again, we're hypothetical here, not saying that they have. Portland would be incentivized to leak that to then try to draw even more pressure on other teams. So it would be a real tough... Tight, uh, rope for Maury to walk. Um, but I do think, like, look, 
if you were going to flip Maxi to a third team, he would bring back more than Tyler Hero would, in part because he's just a year less into his career, a year away from that next contract. Maybe with the realities of the new CBA, maybe some some team feels like they can get him on a, a cheaper deal. Maybe some team just believes in his on-ball creation a little bit more. Um, he's, you know, maybe defensively they think they can grow him more. He's just younger, not as far into his career, cheaper, uh, and that brings with it some flexibility. Yeah, and we have a comment from part-time Pope saying, Hero is a good player with a contract worth more than he is. Billy King special. I just want to make sure it's clear he said that and not me. Uh, yeah, I think that's part of the problem here, right, is yep. that – as you say, Maxi is so what, earlier four, in his career. Four years, one twenty, I think, is what he has. I believe that's around what's left. Yeah, I, I'm. You are better remembering all the numbers than I am. Well, I said I, I, I believe it is. I actually looked it up. I know it is. I don't know why I had it like that. <laughs> he's, just, see, it, it's <laughs> the old when you were uh, younger and you have to pretend you're not that smart because it makes you seem weird to people who don't have as good a memory. I get it, there. My entire career has been trying to pretend that I'm smart when I'm really just a <laughs> moron with a microphone. So yeah, I look. And I think the other thing with Maxi is that certainly all, not to say that Tyler Hero's character is bad, right? Like I, there's been nothing to suggest that he's not a hard yeah. worker or anything like that. I just think Maxi's overall package is so strong. The work ethic, the demeanor, he's the rare young player that is he's good enough to essentially win a game himself, but has been able to fit within this construct yeah. where he's with you know, big-time star players and the league MVP, James Harden, a former MVP. And so I think a team looks at that and says, look, this guy, is he's not complaining about his role. He's doing whatever he has to do. He's still able to be on this constantly upward trajectory. And I think all those things are super appealing if you're trying to trade for him. Obviously, that doesn't seem like it would be Portland in that scenario. But, yeah, I think there are – um, there are myriad reasons why a team might prefer and offer more for Maxi than Tyler Hero, even if in some ways they're similar on paper. Yeah. And again, I still, I, I still think Miami is the favorite. Um, I would probably put Toronto second. I haven't gotten a sense that the Sixers are necessarily all in or, or really exploring trading, uh, making the kind of package it would take to get Dame. Certainly, I'm sure they've had talks. We'll continue to do so where that's primary or as a third team. You know, I've gotten some pushback or some questions like, hey, could you flip DeAnthony Melton for a pick, maybe get a pick for James Harden, have three picks for Dame, and I, I just don't think that's going to get it done. I think it would take Maxi, and I'm not ready to uh, believe that the Six would do that yet. Yeah, so there was uh, – we're going to revisit a question right after this quick break that I want your feedback on. But first, we got to get to our good friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. Another week of football, everybody. I hope – Everyone had a good time relaxing, queuing in on uh, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey on Sunday since the birds weren't playing. But, you know, DraftKings Sportsbook, I know, is keeping you in on the NFL action. Great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5, get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Five down on any of this week's matchups to walk away an instant winner. And they're not stopping there. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers. Every game day this September, obviously there's only one game that's left that all of us care about. Go Birds, all that good stuff. Football is more fun when you're in on the action, so download the app now. Sign up with code PHLY. New customers can bet just $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner, the NFL, with code PHLY. 
L-Y, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccbg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boothill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles in Louisiana, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms and responsible gaming resources, Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Let me tell you a quick anecdote about you, that. You disclaimer. know what I do with my DraftKings account right now? Lose take, money. Take the over <laughs> on whoever's playing Denver. The Denver the Broncos. Broncos. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. So I was just about to say, building off of that disclaimer, I showed my wife a couple of comments we got, like "Let's go ad time, baby," in the the streams late last week. And I was like, I want you to listen to me read this disclaimer and see if you think I sound like a a true ad reader here. And she bugged her eyes out and said, who are you after hearing it? So the the people are saying that I sound like I actually am able to read ads now. What an an achievement. I'm proud of you, Kyle. What an achievement. So, (laughs) Brianna, if you can scroll up. We had a question from, I want to say it was from Zach, that it was... Would either of you be willing to give up Maxi for Dame? Have to think it's not worth it. I know my answer. I think Derek's answer is probably the same. But I guess where do you stand on so it? So it's, it's honestly really tough, which I think means it's close to realistic. But it's so like right now, what would you say that the Sixers' chance of winning title is over the next two years? In either one of the two years, maybe like 5 to 10% max. And that's probably being a little generous. If that's increased to 20% chance over the next two years, is that enough? Because really, when you look at Dame, you're like, all right, you might have two. Let's say Embiid has four or five prime years left. That might be generous. You have to see how injuries happen. Yeah. Do you go all in to maximize two of those? Because I do think in terms of winning a title in the next two years, your best chance out of the scenarios that we know about is with Dame. Like, I think of all of the people who you get to compliment Embiid, realistically, in a short time frame, he is at the top of that list. Is But whenever we say that, like, even if you say, all right, that's as good of a pairing as you're going to find, even if you maybe say, like, all right, let's say in the, in the Harden trade, you got a couple of good role players back that might fit alongside them, you're never close to a guarantee. You're never close to even a 50% chance to win a title. Well, I was going to say, you, much said, more you said 20%. Even that that's is like, high. if you have a 20% that's chance to win high. the title, like if I'm just, this is like Daryl Morey talk right here. If you went to Daryl Morey's office and you could prove that trading for Dame Lillard was a 20% title chance, he would make that trade the second he heard it. He'd say, done, sign on the dotted line. But my point was to sort of overstate that or at least go on the high end of a realistic yeah. spectrum just to show even a good outcome is a lot of uncertainty. And when you're talking about giving up someone who has so much you know, road ahead of them, it's tough. I've always been very focused on trying to win a title during Embiid's window. I do think this is probably the best chance you're going to have to do so, but I would hesitate to do it. I'm not even saying I wouldn't, but I would certainly hesitate to do so just because there's so many different ways that, you know, that 80% could come up or 85% or whatever that number actually is. There's just so many things that have to go right that if it was just a longer window, you know, a 20% chance spread over a decade, great. 
That's not realistic. That's not how the NBA works. In fact, it's pretty much designed not to work like that. But the fact that you're talking about a two-year window, it's, it's tough. I would, I would probably say no now, but I could probably be talked into it. I, I would do it, and I don't even think I'd have to think that hard about it is my thing. Because So here's, here's the I think, calculus. I think Dame's to, the best chance you got to win a title with Embiid. Here, exactly. So here's the calculus to me. Right now, I'd give them very slim odds to even have a chance to contend, let alone actually win the title. And I think if you don't put together a contending-type team in the next, let's call it, two years, Embiid's. I think Joe is looking at the door. Yeah. And so you, to me, the calculus is less, you know, can you compete over the long term with Maxi or how good is Maxi? It's... If you're not going to be a real title team in the next two years, none of this matters. And if Maxi is the foundation that's here in two years, and it's whatever you get back for Joel in a trade at that point, you're not winning probably anything of consequence for yeah. quite a long time. And that's no disrespect to Maxi. It just kind of the history of star trade suggests you're going to get sort of what the Blazers are expecting to get back right now, right? A bunch of maybes, and I don't think there's even a blue chip player on the table to trade for Dame Lillard, who's got a long storied history of all-star, all-NBA, blue chip character guy, leader, and they're at the point where he's got three years left on the deal and teams are like, yeah, we might trade you some okay stuff yeah. for it. So to me... I think you basically have to, if you have a real opportunity to bring an actual star in and put him next to Embiid, the future might be painful, but the future is going to be painful in one way or another regardless to me. And so I would do it. What I wouldn't do is leak that I'm making Maxi available. To me, yeah. the, the only way you make this deal is if you talk to Portland and say, we will do this deal today at this this very minute, this very second, but the second you leak it, we're out. There is no, there's no upside for us here because of all the things we've talked about with contracts with Maxi and you know all the other, the Rich Paul potential anger. Yeah. I just, but I think you owe it to the organization and Joel to do whatever you can to try to contend right now. Yeah, and I logically, I think you're probably right. And if the trade happened, I would talk myself into it in a second. And I do think some people will say, all right, well, Maxi is going to be what Dame is going to become, what Dame is. And I don't think that's even close to a foregone conclusion. I think a lot, it would have to be an outlier level of development in terms of his passing specifically to reach the level that Dame has been at. I will say pretty comfortably that I think their best chance to win a title with Embiid is probably to make that trade. Yeah. And are you giving up a little bit of maybe post Embiid prime maxi career? Yes, but there's no guarantee that, you know, you are going to be able to contend with maxi as a centerpiece anyway. And that doesn't mean that he wouldn't have value, but you would have a lot of, it would be real tough to sort of find a complimentary star to put alongside maxi in a post Embiid era because you've traded so many of your draft picks anyway. So maybe it makes sense to just double down, give up legitimately the last one you have to trade. Um, the best chance to win a title the next few years is by making that trade. I agree with you. Yeah. So, and look, it's, e it's always easy for people like us, people watching the show, reading our articles, et cetera, to be like, oh, yeah, I'd make that trade. You don't have to, or I would, 
offer this and offer X, Y, Z, because we don't have to deal with the human consequences of that stuff, right? I'm not yeah. in a room with Rich Paul having to explain why, oh, yeah, we offered your client who we won't extend for the future for Dame Lillard and now we weren't able to get him because the Raptors ended up trading for him or the Heat ended up trading for him. And I don't have to pick up the pieces there. I'll, nope. I will report on the picking up of the pieces and all that, but that's why it's always so easy for me to sit here and be like, yeah, sure, I would do it because I don't have any real authority or responsibility when it comes to running the team. And so that's always something that I try to keep in mind. These are It's a much more difficult thing than... I make it sound by saying, oh, yeah, I'd pick up the phone and make the, make the call tomorrow. It's that easy. Yeah, and another thing to sort of keep in mind here is that if you did make that trade, your cap space plan for next year would be pretty much gone. You replace Maxi's cap hold with Dame's contract, you no longer have cap space to be a player in free agency. Um, so that is one other aspect, I won't say hurting you in, in terms of building a contender around a Dame and Bede core, because once you have that pairing in place, everything else just becomes a little bit easier. And the complementary pieces you need to, to add in but it is a factor uh, when you're talking about even the short-term upside. So this is a comment from Hinky Process says, trade Harden for a useful piece and picks. As long as you have Embiid, you are a contender. I don't know if I would go quite that far, but I do think that, that it's a fair point in the sense that we did see him in the regular season. Ben sits out and it's him and Seth and younger Tyrese they're still a very good team. They weren't a contending team. Right. That team was not going to win anything of consequence. But if you look at that situation and say, okay, Tyrese has leveled up since then. Joel, quite frankly, is a better player than he was two years ago. You could make the argument, hey, Nick Nurse is a better coach than, than Doc Rivers is. Well, yep. Whether that matters in terms of playoff ceiling and all that, I don't know. And maybe you just have more belief in the role players. I think that roster role player wise was pretty good for that year. So I don't know that you could say that. But yeah, I think if you put a deep team around Joel, mm -hmm. you make a deal with say the Clippers and you get, I don't know, several really good role players or even two, let's just say two good role players and picks. And you have Maxi and Joel, Tobias, as we said, can scale up and you have a bunch of interesting guys on expiring deals, then yeah, you could bide your time and say, hey, maybe at the deadline, something or someone shakes loose that can turn us into a contender. I could buy that argument. But if you're saying, we, if you're the Sixers, we want to compete right now, Dame is really the only guy out there available who can change your fortunes in that yeah. way. The way I would phrase that is as long as you have Joel Embiid playing at you know, the current level that he's at, you are a break away from being a contender. Like maybe that, that good fortune is Tyrese Maxey developing as an on-ball playmaker. Maybe that good fortune is you've got a pick in this year's draft hitting like you did with Tyrese Maxey, but you're one more good break away from being a contender. Will that happen in the timeline that Joel, Joel Embiid's still great? You're leaving a little bit up to chance and luck. You're always leaving something up to chance and luck, but the pathway is not certain for sure. Yeah, and I, I also, I 100% understand the idea from fans, and you've brought it up on the podcast as well, Derek. Some people just want to see Tyrese yep. given this opportunity to try things and fail, and obviously you would hope he succeeds, but I think the organization is looking at it like this right now. If Harden is not there or Harden is, you know, kicking up a fuss and he's 
having his role diminished because he's hurting the team or whatever. I think there are a lot of people in the organization who are excited to let Tyrese go through growing pains, right? That they're going to put the ball in his hands. There's going to be some pain that comes with that. He's going to, he would be the every play, every possession, every game point guard, floor general, getting them into their offense. And it's not something he's had to do on a full-time basis. I think that's a challenge that a lot of people would be excited for inside the organization. I would love to see it. I know a lot of people watching the show and listening would love to see it. And I, I 100% get that. If you just want to be bought in on this young guy who works really hard and might be able to ascend from very good young player to star and maybe long-term superstar, I always get that. I'm just saying if you want to win, this is the trade to make. I agree. To me. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah. I just I wish the roadway was just a tiny bit longer. That's all. I'm a little worried about Dame. You know, 33 short guard. I'm a little worried that that cliff might. It just. Um, it always comes sooner than you expect yep. with short guards, it, even with guys extending their careers. Now. I think that's probably the only thing really holding. If you could guarantee me that he has two more Dame level years, then I'd probably throw all caution to the wind. Unfortunately, no guarantees in sports. Like that. Nope. Although I can tell you one guarantee, Derek. If you use the Game Time app to get tickets, you're going to get all kinds of benefits from it. So listen, I know the fall calendar, because the Eagles are great, the Phillies are look like they're headed to the playoffs, fall calendar for Philly sports fans can be jam-packed with events. Certainly Sixers games, if people are coming down off the high horse and less angry about them, you can buy some great tickets on the Game Time app. It's an awesome way to have a stress-free, last-minute, and frankly, affordable ticket-buying experience no matter when and where you're trying to buy tickets for. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. You don't have to plan months in advance. There are deals on tickets right up to the day of the event, flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, theater, comedy, all kinds of stuff. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game time will credit you 110% of the difference. That is quite a good deal. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code PHLY for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So any other final thoughts on wrapping up uh, Dame here, or should we go to the mailbag? No, I think we can probably transition to the mailbag now, unless there's any you know, stray questions we want to hit. I have a feeling we might talk about that human being once or twice in the yeah, next week. Yeah, that'd be my guess as yeah. well. All right, we'll start this one off. Um, I feel like Francis Parker might have been, um, you know... Look at that. Look at this beautiful graphic. Yeah, there we go. He might Other have, than our faces, which is, yeah. you know, part of the graphic. Well, I mean, look, when I, we told the guy who designed I'm like, considering what you had to work with, I think my face, like, that's the Mona Lisa right there. Like, that's a <laughs> crowning achievement. Um, but I think they might have been pairing a little bit with this question, Francis Parker. But if Terquavion Smith continues to do well, what are the CBA and financial considerations that might affect whether the Sixers convert him to a regular contract during the season? Um... I mean, Mr. Math over there, this is your territory. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the, the Sixers do still have their mid-level to use. 
you would assume that they would use the uh, taxpayer mid-level because that wouldn't hard cap them like the non-taxpayer would. I've been told that they, you know, are able, like, Daryl Morey has been given the, the go-ahead to use that if he feels like he can. Um, I've been told that they have, have the go-ahead to be above the luxury tax. Now, obviously, that, you know, a lot of that depends on how much impact is this always going to actually have because billionaires like to save a couple million when they can. But I've been told that they have the leeway to do that if need be. But I think this would be the kind of thing where this would, if this happened, it would be converted, you know, after the trade deadline when everything's locked in. There's no more worrying about doing more moves or flexibility or hard cap, something like that. Uh, I would guess that he will play the majority of the season under a two-way contract. If he shows a lot, then that could be converted. Because at the end of the season, if he's converted, then he could be on the playoff roster even if it comes after. You know, it doesn't have to be, happen early in the season. Um, so I would certainly expect that they will, he will play the majority of the season, if not the entire year, under a two-way. And if he shows more than maybe you would expect, then you can convert him after the trade deadline and you have certainty. And let me just say, I am a big supporter of any Turk questions and yeah. Turk like I said, topics I think it might because have been I've been, a little bit I was a big booster on, yeah, on yeah. Our, our preview show of the young guys and anything that makes me look smarter. <laughs> I'm always in support of that. All right. This one from Dave. I'm just getting back into the Sixers news after a long summer break. What is a Rico Hines run? <laughs> he says, Google tells me a Sixers have a new assistant coach named Rico Hines. They do. But Twitter talks about it like it's a practice facility in Camden. It is not. So he's a little bit confused. Kyle, why don't you fill him in? Okay, so the kind of short version of this is there There have been pickup games on UCLA's campus for long, long time. I mean, dating back to... I think, uh, I think Magic I was just saying, dating back to Magic Johnson's days with the Lakers. Baron Davis ran it for a little bit. Yeah, so the these runs at UCLA have been... I would say an essential piece of off-season NBA culture yep. for decades. It's a place where away from, well, now not away from the cameras because there's some filming involved, but it used to be away from the cameras, a lot of the big stars in the NBA, certainly a lot of the Lakers guys, but also UCLA players, yep. incoming guys, established. I mean, Rico Hines himself is a UCLA alum. I think yes. he has lofty career averages of like two points per game. Right. But he did go there. That's a connection. So it was a way for big-time NBA players to get run in the summertime, but also for UCLA guys to play against You know that caliber of competition. It was just a breeding ground for work and development uh, in L.A. throughout the summer. And Rico Hines, now assistant coach with the Sixers, former UCLA player, as Derek just alluded to, has essentially become the steward of these runs out in LA. Right. And so he runs all these things. To my understanding, it's three different courts. Yep. There's the winner's court in the middle, a second court to the side, and then the loser's court to the right, I believe, if you're staring at it from the middle. And you do you not want to end up on up. that yep. third court, obviously. And so lots of guys come in during the summer. I know James Harden has been out there in the past, Steph Curry, Joel Embiid did not play there this summer, but he was in attendance in L.A. while Paul Reed and Jaden Springer and Terquavion Smith and a lot of other guys were out there. And look, I think the best thing I can say about Rico and those runs is that if you watch some of the videos of him talking to these guys beforehand, this is not just a pickup game where these guys come in and do whatever they want. A lot of times there are certain constraints like hey we're working on 
a floppy set today. And so every dead ball, these guys are running a, a floppy action or every dead ball, they're running a middle pick and roll or there's 10 seconds on the clock. And uh, Dave McMenamin over at ESPN actually yep. did a, a story about this the other day. And one of the funny anecdotes that I heard from it is that the shot clock is actually in Rico's head and he won't, there'll be times where it'll go for, you know, 40 seconds and then he'll just start counting down from five and decide you've wasted enough time, <laughs> get a shot up or get the hell out of here. And so that's a long winded way of saying they are famous pickup games out in LA that bring out a lot of stars and yep. it ends up being sort of an informal training camp coming out of vacation for a lot of these guys. So Rico is, you know, I don't want to legendary is a bit strong, but he's a big well name, yep. big, big name in NBA circles and very well respected. And like you mentioned, um, Dave McMenamin just recently did something for ESPN sort of describing this whole thing. So go check that out if you're interested in more info. This one from Gluey Glue. Good name. After seeing them on JJ Reddick's podcast, do you agree with Igadala that the Sixers should not have drafted Evan Turner? and that the team at the time was not really trying to win. Now, I guess a little context to this, um, you know, Andre Iguodala did say that he felt comfortable saying this because they had changed ownership and changed management. So he's talking about the Ed Snyder the Ed era Snyder Sixers, Comcast not regime. the Sam Hinkie era, where, although they did end up talking about that a little bit later, and Evan Turner is not a fan of Sam Hinkie or the process that's been known for a while. But what Iguodala is talking about in terms of not trying to win is specifically about that Ed Snyder, Doug Collins era Sixers. I don't understand where he was coming from because they were trying to win. Probably a little too much. I wish they were trying less hard to win when they traded Allen Iverson and maybe they could have tanked for Kevin Durant or Greg Oden. Now, that didn't work out, but Kevin Durant was in that draft too. No, instead, they, you know, uh, Andre Miller and Joe Smith and won a meaningless amount of games. I think it's fair to say that Ed Snyder never really cared about the Sixers like he did the Flyers. That's obvious. It's well known. So he hired people and let them run, but they were trying to win. They were just largely incompetent. That's different. It's different. I'll push back a little bit in the sense that I think it's almost a more insidious way of trying not to win. Like you're putting in the bare minimum effort versus what, you know, Josh Greenlit and Sam oversaw, which was we're not trying to win, but we're doing that with very so clear goals yeah. in mind over the long term. I think what Andre was getting at with what he said about Ed Snyder's overseeing of the Sixers is that they didn't really care as long as they were making money, right? Like that's kind of what they viewed the same, like that's the the implication I think is I think certainly Ed Snyder didn't want to bottom out because it would have hurt the bottom line. I think that's certainly fair, yeah. But, like, I don't think, like, like you know, Ed Stefanski, he, I'm sure he wanted to win. He just didn't have a coherent plan on how to do it. Yeah. So I think the more important point is what they were getting at on that podcast with regards to was Evan Turner brought to the right situation for him? And they were pushing back that you know, maybe Evan Turner on a different team where he's not having to – battle with Drew Holiday for quote-unquote point guard touches and he can play more like he did at Ohio State and look I think obviously Evan is going to be biased in that way right I don't think any of us certainly not you and I no bust ever thinks they're a bust right we don't yeah. I don't believe that if Evan Turner was allowed to be a full-time point guard somewhere 
that he that would have fundamentally tra- changed his career trajectory. What I do think is important that they're getting at is that so many of these guys outside of like the top, let's call it one to 5% of NBA players, most guys' success is predicated on where they go, who they play with, who the coach is, and the role that they are put into. I think most guys are simply not going to be dropped into a team and succeed regardless of the context. And I think it's fair for Evan and guys like Andre, who was an incredible role player for a really long time, it's fair for them to bring up that you can't just drop players anywhere and expect them to be all-stars or you know franchise-driving yep. people. And Evan was certainly not going to be that. The only what I would push back on is like, sorry, dude, Doug Collins preferred Drew Holiday at point, and I think and history. Right. I yes. think history has shown that he was smart to do so. He was right to do so. Drew was clearly a better player, better point guard than Evan was, and the whole reason that Evan was billed as a quote unquote point guard coming out of college is because he couldn't shoot well enough to be a secondary off ball guy, and he wasn't athletic enough to make his money as you know a driver and a constant creative force in that way. So I think there's truth within what they were talking about there, but I think it's being overstated as it always would be for a role player who feels like he didn't get a proper shot. I think you know, he spent a lot of time in a, and I, I like Evan Turner. He frustrated me as a player because the Sixers had so much invested in him, but he's a funny guy. He's a good guy. Like I don't have any ill will towards sure. him. I think by not being a primary point guard for the first, you know, four years of his career, it and he spent a lot of time in that podcast talking about buying into a role shortened his career, and sh- and shortened maybe his earning potential. Although he did pretty okay with a deal from Portland. He actually shouted out Neil O'Shea yeah, did. on was, that podcast. Was that was hilarious. I, again, I think Evan Turner is really funny. Yeah. Um, I think not being a point guard for the first four years, or at least not being a primary point guard extended his career and helped him get that monster contract because it didn't show what he wasn't capable of doing at an NBA level. There was still sort of like a mystique around him that, oh, he can handle the ball, like he can initiate. He got to pass it off as boo, Doug Collins. I think that helped him down the line when if he had been thrust into a lead initiator role, people would just realize, oh, he's not good enough to do that at this level. And the Sixers desperately wanted him to be. They, They drafted him thinking he would replace Iguodala. He didn't develop enough either as a off-ball secondary player or as a primary initiator to succeed. That's it's, it's nothing to do with the Sixers or Doug Collins or trying to win. He just wasn't as good of an NBA player as he was in college. He was fantastic at Ohio State. Yes, he was. I had him ranked second overall. It was one of my bigger draft misses at the top of the draft. He just wasn't good enough. Yeah, so it's, it's a lot of ideas being conflated into one central thing, and I think that was the part that I did not like because – to your point, wasn't good enough to justify having the role that it seems that he would have wanted, right? Like that's the argument here. He wanted to be a point guard and he was not a point guard. You can't play point guard if you can't shoot. That's just not a thing you can do. I know we're going to, I don't want to revisit the whole Ben Simmons argument again, but that's what it is. Ben Simmons, who by the way, was 10 times a passer, Evan Turner was. Well, 10 times the player that Turner was, certainly. Anyway, we don't have to get out that. No, we don't. (laughs) Wish him nothing but the best. I just think he's off base there. I I understand his complaints about Sam Hinkie in the process. That part I actually got. Oh well, that's his career. Look, we I probably glossed over the human part of the process 
a little too much at the time. Like, oh, these guys will just figure it out. Brandon asking if Evan Turner was part of the um, Greg Oden team. No, that was um, Mike Conley. Yes, that was that was a really good team. Honestly, Greg Evan Oden's, Turner was was after that. Yeah, Greg Oden's performance in that championship game against Florida, given how good that Florida team was. I get why he was going to be really good. I, it's really a shame that we didn't get yeah. to see real Greg Oden. And look, even even if he didn't have the injury problems, he wouldn't have been as good Kevin Durant, obviously. But like people looking back on it now, it's real easy in hindsight. He was a blue chip, blue chip prospect for sure. Yeah, I I believe now this was what two thousand seven. So certainly there's no written evidence of my opinion at the time. I believe I was a Durant guy because you know I was in high school and I'm just like. Yo, this dude is unbelievable watching Durant. Whereas Odin, it's like, oh, I get it. But it's right. also, it's a big guy. So you don't, you never have the same, it's the Kyrie Irving thing, right? You never have the same love and passion for a defense, a defensively sound post player as like an all-world scorer who the aesthetics are just right. beautiful. So I was a KD guy, but almost accidentally was right on right. that one. This one, uh, which development guy has the most impact? Which veteran rental signing will have the most impact? I mean, do I have to be the number one card carrier for the Turquavion Smith fan club? Go for it. I mean, it's like, who do we consider developmental? Do you still consider Jaden Springer? Yeah, I think. Well, so I was going to say, is Paul Reed? No, he's established. Yeah, he's an established role player. So essentially, we have to say it's... Turk, Jaden, Ricky, Ricky Petrusev. And again, if you're going to be, whoa, who are these names? I've never heard of these people. We talked about them pretty much in yeah, depth. We a do have a podcast for that, I promise you. And we'll get, we'll probably get into them more during camp. Yeah, I mean, look, I think if I were a betting man, you might say Jaden just because he's been around longer, is on a real NBA contract, et cetera, et cetera, and has the, defensive profile but i i have to just plant my flag on on turk island i think that turk as a shot creator shooter the upside is significant enough that i have to bet on that's my developmental guy yeah. i guess i'd probably go Jaden. Uh, i just think you're, you're right i think he is the more likely of the two could he end up being um less impactful could but i would bet on Jaden just because i think he's probably a little more ready yeah. to make that step into a bigger role. And also because the defense is, I think, 100% playable right now, you just have to find a way for him to not completely, you know, gum up your offense. Why are, Gavin's accusing you of really liking Eric Snow? No, I hated Eric Snow. <laughs> he drove me nuts. So, Even back then, it was like, shoot. For the love of God, shoot. I agree. I was a big Aaron McKee fan. I went back and watched that 01 finals, and I was higher on Aaron oh, no. Snow. It, than he had a good finals. He, he had was a really good, good defense. Kobe always gave him props defensively. Yeah. Always. He was a very good defender. I've always just had a thing like you've got to be able to shoot, especially as a point guard, uh, and Eric Snow very much could not. By the way, Aaron McKee, it's a shame he was hurt during that finals because yeah. he was horrible, and that kind of yeah. sunk them. They were really beat up in that. They yeah. were really beat up. For sure. Um, and I, he also asked, how long have you been writers? So the first draft I covered was the, actually, it was the, I think the first one I was credentialed for was the Steph Curry draft, which was, what, 2010? And I started covering the draft before I covered the Sixers. Um, but the first NBA event I covered would have been 2009. So I'm, I'm old. I'm old. I guess it's, for me, it depends on 
what you count as quote unquote covering yeah. or writing about the, I was, I mean, I, there's published work of mine from probably 2013, I would say, but I was, I was blogging and in college, right. that was not, I'd say full, full time 2017, 2017's yeah, the, the first full time yeah. year, 2017, 18, but I had been writing about them, talking about them in some capacity for four years before that, maybe time for a, a break change? before we oh. get back to the mailbag. <laughs> Someone still got a responsibility over there. Yeah, I think. no, I agree. We could do that. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Forgot to pay the bills. I get it. I get it. Uh, so this one is from Foco. Foco is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. They're the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. And with it being football season, Kyle wearing a Eagles shirt. Um, Overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game, FOCO has it. And FOCO has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use a promo code PHLY for 10% off. There you go. You, you didn't start laughing or get derailed by me being Vanna Newbeck over here. You have done it pretty much here, every time. So. I should be getting Yeah, so you're getting yeah, accustomed yeah. to it. See, that's why. I'm getting accustomed to you being a moron, yes. Oh, that's is. not nice. Well, while Derek calls me a moron, for everyone who's here, let me just remind you to hit that subscribe button. If you haven't already, give us a nice I thumbs up. I thought we were contractually ob obligated to do that at the very first sentence of the podcast. We are, but it never hurts act. to do it coming out of an ad break either, my friend. So the second part of that question which veteran rental do you think will have the most impact? So I guess it depends on if Danny can actually walk or run at this point, because I think Danny never necessarily his strength to begin with. <laughs> I think Danny, just because of the fact that regardless of how the roster changes, because I, I think both of us would probably agree the roster is going to change at some point, right? Yeah. James coming back, James getting traded, a big-time deal being made. Danny will fit in essentially any configuration you can think of. He will have a role. He knows what, how to play it. He's been in the same role for 10 years, 14 years, 15, whatever it is at this point. And I can just see him that's – if he can still move, I think he will be useful. No, I think that's a pretty big if, given the injuries, his age. And so I would say if I were a betting man, Patrick Beverly. Yeah. Because I think, you know, Bamba is in this category as well. He is on the younger side compared to Pat Bev, Danny, and these other guys. But Bamba is more, he's going to need people to take nights off to play right. is, is sort of where I view it right now. So I think Pat Bev is more likely to play because of the contract. And I guess that that'd be the expectation coming in. If Danny can rebound this year, and I mean, rebound physically, not actually go it out would and help rebound. If he would rebound. It too. would definitely help yeah. if he can rebound. I think if Danny bounces back, I can just see him, not being the same thing he was here a few years back, but an every night, like pencil him in for 15 minutes or whatever. Yeah, I agree. I think Patrick Beverly probably has the clearest role. Yeah. So because of that, I will say that he will have the biggest impact. Uh, I think there is a case to be made for Kelly Oubre. 
just because they're so desperately in need of a wing with athleticism. I will almost that be, forgot will that, that he was on the team will for that a be, second. There. Will that be a good impact? I'm not entirely sure, but he didn't specify that. He just said biggest impact. Uh, so there's a chance he could end up getting more minutes. But I will probably say Patrick Beverly because I think there's a better chance he maintains his role even if he is not the player he was being so safe. I will, I'm going to agree with you. There. I will so amend that. desperately in need of point guard, of anyone to handle the ball. Yes. I will amend that to say I think it's Ubre, but I, I think that if yeah. we're saying if it's raw impact and you don't care about one direction or, or another, <laughs> I think he's the guy. I think Pat Bev would be my hope for a positive impact. Man, Danny is getting flamed. We have a from Randy. Danny's going to move like he's wearing shoes four sizes too big. We have a comment from Tafka saying Danny has my pop-ops hips. So, yeah. Honestly, the the biggest hurdle for Danny is he's got to make the roster out of camp. That reminds me. Tafka reminds me. Do you remember Michael Levin's originally name, original name on Liberty Ballers? I do not. Tafka MB for Michael Bourne. The artist formerly known as Michael Bourne. That's a, that's a real deep cut, old cut for our... Old cut. Um, <laughs> this one from Many Faces... Uh, the many face God. Nice reference. Does Nick Nurse sign with the Sixers if he knew the shit show he was stepping into? His words, not mine. Uh, with the Harden situation and overall re- overall weaker roster that's been constructed. I think there are two reasons I would say yes. One, money. Always helps. Two, Joel Embiid. Yeah. Always helps. I think he probably... like. And there's been a lot of reporting that Giannis didn't prefer him. Yeah. So with that off the table, then I think this was still probably the second best option he had. I think this was a good situation for him. Yeah, look, I I keep trying to stress this, but looking at it from a coach's perspective, there are not many times you're going to lose your job on a team that was, let's be frank, was very mediocre in Toronto. Right. And then jump to a team that has the reigning league MVP. That, that just that doesn't happen often. So Nurse signing here, I know that he had other options, and as Derek alluded to, I think there was some pushback from stars in other markets. And I, I guess a better way to phrase that is probably that Giannis preferred Adrian Griffin, not that yes. he had anything necessarily against Nick Nurse. Yeah. But I think Nick Nurse looked at this opportunity and said, look, if I can, I'm going to get the guy who has tortured my team for years now. They've had problems with... Joel and the Sixers post 2019, right? If I can get my hands on this guy that has a clear track record of improving essentially every single year, right? I think it's fair to say, even if it's smaller jumps year to year, Joel gets better every single year. I know he's in his late 20s. Nick Nurse looks at that and says, this is a guy who cares. He's at the, the top of the individual heap when it comes to winning that MVP award. But he wants it enough that every year he gets back right. in the lab and says, I'm going to add this. I'm going to do that. If you give me that as Nick Nurse, as the foundation yep. of what I'm building here, I can figure it out. I can make Tyrese Maxey better by running this set or that set. Another guy in Tyrese who brilliant reputation around the league Nick Nurse looks at that guy, has killed his team a couple times, single-handedly won the Sixers a game Mm -hmm. in Toronto last season. He's fired up about this opportunity. I know it's not – look, he's not coming in here thinking we're the favorite to win the title, right? But I do think part of that is 
they're going to go to Colorado and they want to stare down the Nuggets in the preseason from day one and set that expectation that we've got work to do. We have to catch up with these teams who are ahead of us right now. And I think Nick Nurse has, say, the ego to say, we can get there. I believe I can push this team to get there. I think just like a Joel Embiid has to be wired in a way to say, yeah, I'm the best fucking player on the planet. Nick Nurse has to believe I'm the best coach on the planet and I'm going to take these guys to the next level. I don't think he has any regrets that I could think of. No. And I mean, look, a coach coming into a situation like this isn't going to have the kind of baggage that we have had no. watching them hit the second round year after year after year. He's going to look at it as a team that has the MVP that was two D'Anthony Melton threes away from beating the Celtics in game six and that has a chance if things break right and if he can add to what they already do to meaningfully compete. And I understand that that's why that is a perspective he should have. That's a perspective you want him to have, even if the Harden situation isn't what he expected when he signed up. It's not like the Sixers are all of a sudden completely irrelevant. No. And when you're coach, you're not almost by definition, you're not going to a perfect spot. There, it's just he he wants to compete. And outside of Milwaukee, he probably wasn't. In, I guess Phoenix. This was a really weird summer in that regard, where there were a couple competitors looking for coaches. This is a, a still a good spot for a coach. Like they, as much as we are, like I said, beaten down by the second-round exits, you have to have a different perspective, and he's, he's right to do so. It's a very good spot. I know everyone's on edge and angry, and I, I feel that. I talk to you guys all the time. I have personally witnessed in person most of these excruciating losses over the last six years or yeah. so. They haven't been any nicer in person. Yeah, it's not any better <laughs> being around all the people who came to the games and are distraught and they file out, like shoulders slumped and all that, and all my friends and family are in depression mode in May, which I thought we all get that out of our systems when it's cold out yeah. in December and January. I get it. I know that people are sad, angry, frustrated, whatever word you want to use to describe it. But I don't think Nick Nurse is carrying that baggage in here. I think Nick Nurse is excited to work with the reigning MVP and Tyrese Maxey. And there are all these other, even the role players. Like There are a lot of role players who've been in the gym all summer trying to get better to try to push them forward. And I think that's what Nick Nurse sees. Nick Nurse yeah. is not seeing... You know, Derek and I talking to you guys about how depressed they are and right. why they need to trade everybody. Denver's not hiring a coach. <laughs> like you're, <laughs> you're not going to walk into that situation. Yeah. All right. Last one here from Bob, and then we'll close up the show. How important is it to Maury that Harden gets traded to where he wants to go? Like if the best offer is Toronto, would he send him there? I 100% yeah, think he I would send him anywhere. I don't here's, here's the bigger issue I think it's not what Daryl Morey would do it's if you're Toronto you might be willing to make a gamble on Dame because of the upside and also because I think a lot of people just don't believe that Dame's going to get a team that at least has a chance to compete and say no screw it I'm not reporting I think a lot of people will question that Harden's a little more volatile I don't think people necessarily can predict or take that chance like they would with Dame so I think it will impact Harden's market perhaps more than it does Dame's but I think Daryl will trade him to wherever gets gives him the best package. Yeah, this is a question that's more predicated on what the GM of any other team would think, right? right? I think Daryl is looking at it as, I'm holding on to James 
because I'm not getting the value the Sixers need to get back to be a great team or contending team, whatever, however you want to frame that. The problem is if Toronto was thrown out as an example there, if you trade him to Toronto and or want to trade him to Toronto and Masai is like, well, I don't believe James is going to suit up for us or be happy and I'm not going to give you anything, well, right. then you're, you're not making the trade. So that's what it all comes down to. I do appreciate there was a Gavin called Derek and I the symbols of hope for the the whole city, actually, for Philadelphia, and that is... It's definitely not right. When you have the Phillies and the Eagles say, playing... I if I'm the symbol nope. of hope for the city, you guys are screwed. So I, I hope there's... I don't know, Gritty certainly isn't at this point. Maybe uh, Jalen Hurts or right. somebody with the Eagles. Obviously, go Birds with the sweatshirt right now, but... I do think Jalen Hurts has more impact on Philadelphia sports <laughs> than, than you, you and I. Yeah, yeah I think that kind of goes without saying. But Look, I... I'm not going to lie, like... The path towards winning a title with this team is very cloudy and murky. I'm just not ready to be completely fatalistic when you have Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey and Nick Nurse. And there are so they've burned so many assets and so many potential pathways to being not only a, a contender, but a freaking dynasty that it's depressing and it's frustrating and it's all of that. I'm just not ready to completely bury this area. I'm just not ready. And Ed in the comments says Maxi only developed because Ben Simmons refused to play. He would have developed anyway. I think that's an overstatement, yep. but I do think that that's something, that general idea is something to keep in mind, right? Right now, everyone's like, damn, Harden's a malcontent. They're going to trade him for role players and picks and whatever it is. But what does it mean for these guys that all of a sudden are thrust into bigger opportunities? What does Maxi get to do now that he wouldn't have had a chance to do otherwise? And maybe that does look ugly in the short term. Maybe in the long term, it still is bad, but we don't know. There's no way of ever, we can't, I go into a season, I make my predictions, Half of them are wrong within, you know, a month of the season starting. By the way, we'll, we'll have some predictions before the season yes, starts. Yes, we so will. Come in and see our wrong predictions. But Screenshot whole, it so you hold us accountable. The whole fun of doing this and podcasting and writing and reporting and all of this, the reason I don't write about, like, reality TV or video games or something is that every single day we wake up and I don't know what's going to happen. I show up at the arena and Joel Embiid might score 59 points against the Utah Jazz. Or Joel Embiid might put Aaron Baines through the core of the earth with a dunk in a playoff game. Or the Sixers will lose in Toronto, PTSD, trigger warning, because Kawhi's shot bounces four times. And I hear Derek make the loudest noise I've ever heard him make <laughs> in my life because he's sitting right next to me. That's why I get up and do this every day, because you really can't know. I can... Nobody knew the Nuggets were going to win the title last year, right? A lot of Nuggets fans were convinced they're going to be healthy. They're the team to beat as long as they're healthy. And then they had a crisis of confidence in March because Denver stopped caring and they went off of a cliff and it was like, oh, the fraud Nuggets are back. Now all of a sudden it's like, oh, it was a foregone conclusion that the Nuggets were winning the title. No, of course not. Yep. It's a journey that these guys go on from October until June, whoever wins the title. And that's what makes this fun. And so as much as we're going to unload the baggage or I'm unloading the baggage, I absolutely torched 
Joel and James and Doc and all these guys to end last year. The second training camp opens. It's a new year, and we see what happens, and that's how I go about this. And that's how Nick and Joel and Tyrese and all these guys will go about this. Well said. I think that's how we should end the podcast. So if I'm the symbol of hope, I hope that did something for maybe like three of you guys out there. But I want us to have fun, and so that's that's just my overarching message here. Nope. I got no notes. Thank you, Kyle, for jumping on, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. (laughs) Hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, and obviously stay tuned for all our other wonderful shows coming at you later today.